Welcome to Bacon Wrapped Business with Brad Costanzo. Sizzling hot business advice guaranteed to make you fat. Profits? Every week our chefs will serve you proven recipes for ramping up your revenue. Now here's your host, Brad Costanzo. Hey there, welcome back to Bacon Wrap Business. I'm Brad, and here on the screen with me, you may recognize, is a previous guest of mine, Dr. Lori Emery. Hi, Dr. Emery, how are you doing? Hi, Brad, I'm doing great. Cool, so got something uh, interesting um, to share with you all, my viewers and listeners today. So, um, after the original episode where I interviewed Dr. Emery about what uh, she does to help provide life and business transformation coaching for other entrepreneurs and uh, professionals, etc. cetera. Uh, you know, I liked everything she had so much. We reconnected, we just started talking and I hired her to say, look, I, uh, you know, I'm always trying to work on myself. I'm always trying to make myself better. And I know I've got some blockages in my life that are limiting me from achieving, you know, what I want, my true potential. So we decided to work together, and I think it's been about oh, a month or two, I want to say, give or take, that we've been working together, and she had an awesome idea. She said, Brad, let's flip the tables on your podcast today. Let me interview you and maybe do this in lieu of a coaching session, and let me see if we can pull out some of your story and some of the more you know, poignant points, both the ups and the downs. And she said, the one thing is you got to be really genuine and authentic and vulnerable here. And if you've listened to some of my past episodes, I've, you know, from working with her, that's one of the things I'm trying to do is just be more vulnerable to you, the audience, uh, but also to myself. And I know that sometimes in the past, I've glazed over some of the, uh, some of the challenges that I've had and looked at them at mountains as speed bumps. And I've also, uh, looked at some of my big wins as not so big. So that's one of the things that I'm trying to do is tap in more to uh, myself and so that I can connect with you as a listener much better, but also myself. So without any further ado, let's flip the table. Let's wrap Brad up in bacon <laughs> and yeah. yep, and then uh, and see where this goes. Dr. Emery, thanks for joining me again. Absolutely. I feel I feel so humbled that you're handing it over to me right now that I get to be you should for, I be, for this hour. Should I be scared? No. Well, <laughs> it's, up, it's up to you. Exactly. You know, when I when I made the suggestion, I was thinking about coming onto this call today and I thought uh and this is this is true for me as I've gotten to know you and uh I I've, I've been blessed to be around you in some of your business situations and got to watch you in the boardroom and uh I've heard a lot from others who know you on your reputation, and I thought, wow, I wonder if Brad realizes that people really want to know him. People like you and uh, respect you, and and when I watch a lot of your podcasts with other people, you're such a commitment to giving to all of us entrepreneurs. You know, you're, I, I listen to how you ask questions because you want to make sure that there's a lot of value for us when you watch, and... I remember asking you when it came up that day for me to say, well, let me interview you, is I thought, I don't know if Brad really knows, like, who he is for everyone else and that everyone else would really love to know you on a, on a deeper level, like, who's the man behind the business? And I know uh, you're known as the connector out there in, in your social circle, which I do have some questions for you about that. Um so I just decided I, I let's put it on, let's put it on camera for people and let's just get started and 
we'll see where it goes and let people get to know who you are and what really makes you tick and, uh, you know, what makes your heart, uh, go pitter patter and, 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 um, fill up and what, what are the, some of the pains that you have experienced and fears just like all the rest of us. So I guess let's get started there. And, and let me ask you if you, you, t- you talk a lot about marketing and branding and, uh, and I thought, well, that would be a great place to start is like, who's Brad Gastanto and like, what's your brand? I can't hear you. Your audio is gone. Okay, I'm back. Sorry about that. Okay, there you go. So this has been a hard one for me because this is one of the things that I, I've actually been challenged with, which is one of the very first things, like who is your brand, who are your, who's your people, who's your tribe? And, you know, I'll start off with, you know, who am I? I'm a really grateful guy who's having an amazing life, you know, writing his own rules. That's kind of how I try to look at it from a global life perspective. I think outside the box. And I believe that life is short, but it can be truly amazing. Uh, my brand is, though, something I'm working on. Like, I've been told that I have a golden Rolodex and amazing connections that I seem to know everybody. And you know what's kind of funny about that is I look at all the people I don't know, and I'm like, well, I don't know them. I can't be that amazing. But uh, and, I, and I find that that's a habit. It's just you know discounting my successes. Um, and I do. I know a lot of people. I am a very proactive relationship builder. It's um, it's something that I do. I, I like to think that I'm not just this consummate networker who's going for a quantity of relationships, but I'm really trying to know people. And the other aspect is that, you know, without sounding arrogant about this, I kind of like to think of myself as a bit of a renaissance man, only because I have, ever since I was a kid, I love, I collect skills, knowledge, and ideas constantly. So if there's something I want to learn, I don't hesitate to go out and, uh, take lessons for it or, or or learn this or hire a coach or or just learn things I'm con- whether it's like learning how to play guitar learning how to dance learning how to play another musical instrument learning how to do marketing I just love the experience of collecting skills and being um, very versatile so I've also been told that I'm kind of a Wikipedia with instant recall of especially marketing knowledge and um, you know, uh, one of my business partners, Kent, tells me, he's like, I can ask you something and, you know, you'll say, oh, well, two years ago I read a book with this information in it and here's how it would apply to you. But I think I've boiled it down and I've used this in introductions from myself before, which is that I'm a dot connecting entrepreneur and I connect the dots both with people, with ideas and information. And I think that is maybe the brand that works for me the most, that feels the most uh, authentic. And why do you think, uh, I'm going to word this in a little bit of a different way than what you said, so if it doesn't land for you, you can change it. Yeah, please do. But, but as you know me from our, our month or two months together, I usually do it for a reason, right? So why do you think create, making, creating connection is important to you in your life? Well, you know, I was an only child, so raised it as an only child, if I didn't create connections with my friends, I was just hanging out with mom and dad. And uh, that was one of the ways that I just you know, thrown into the world is create connection. So in, in many ways, and I do believe this, my closest friends, I do feel as though they're my family. So some people are like, oh, you know, my brother and my sister, that's my closest bond with another peer. And mine is not, not at all, because I don't have that. It's with my friends. So I had to get really good at, at making friends and understanding socially how to do that. But then also, 
I believe that I know that people are born with certain predilections. We, you know, some people are more social than others. Some people are more analytical. Some people are more outgoing or, in, you know, introverted. Uh, I do happen to be just naturally more outgoing than people, and because I'm good at connecting, I've, I've created. I've created a lot of opportunities that I probably shouldn't have had under normal circumstances. Like I've just, I've made little good authentic connections and they've led to flying on a private jet or, you know, having, you know, meetings with amazing people that at at times I felt like, man, I don't deserve this. Like, what did I do? But, uh, and it's taken me a while to kind of own that value. But I think that's, I've seen the, I've seen the benefits of making authentic connections and, making people like and respect you. That's great. And so what would you say has been some of the hardest lessons that you've had? So, you know, some of the hardest lessons, as a child, I had a, I had a, I had a pretty darn good life. You know, loving parents. Um, I can't think back to many childhood super hard lessons that, uh, you know, really, really resonate with me. As an adult, however, I've had a couple big lessons, which was, um, there were a couple times where I didn't really, I didn't know what I still wanted. I didn't believe in myself. And I had built up, so, you know, some really good savings, you know, in the six-figure range. And I took a, a gamble. One of them was in the stock market. And I just put every single thing I had. This was back in the go-go late 1999 and 2000. And I bet on margin and I, I just built up this pretty big net worth starting, you know, starting with not much and then lost it all from some stupid, I knew better mistakes. And I was a financial, a professional financial advisor at the time. And here I thought, well, I don't have to, I don't like doing this stuff. This, this work things for the birds. I'm just going to basically gamble in the stock market. And when I did, I lost everything and I went down to scratch. Actually, I was in debt after that. Uh, and then another hard lesson that I had to learn was that after I immediately, well, within a few years, made it back and then some, I did the same shit and I lost it all again, once more with a stupid investment and um, I was back down to scratch. So twice in my life, I have had you know six figures in cash in the bank account and because I decided um, I don't want to work so hard. I've I've heard that rich people invest their money and other people, you know, their money works for them. I'm going to do that, and I got slapped down. Curiously, though, every time that I took the money that I had and I invested it in either my education, my own business, things that I could control, seems to work out. So that's been one big lesson as an entrepreneur, as an adult, as somebody who has to kind of manage their money, is that. Um, Bet on yourself, things that you can control, and don't expect other things that you can't control to do all the work for you. Got it. What are you most passionate about? Most passionate about, you know, once like what more. What makes you sick? So once more, this has been this has been one of those things in my life that I've actually struggled with, and I. I am, what do I want to say? I am uh, envious of people who have this, who have this passion to them. Like, oh my God, this is what I like the most. But I think that the things that I like the most, that I'm most passionate about is experiencing, 
experiencing new things with new people, connecting these experiences, deep conversations, brainstorming with others, and sharing the human experience with others. So I can't say that I'm most passionate about a topic. I could say I'm passionate about marketing because I just I love it. Um, and that just seems like the cop out. Oh, I'm pa- passionate about marketing and business. But the things that really bring me the most joy, the things that I like the most are new ideas and new people and consistently feeding myself a diet of both ideas that inspire me and people that inspire me. Got it. I, so I've been blessed to learn quite a few things about you in the last few months, and I know you're getting married soon, yes. as I most of your inner circle knows. Is there anything that you are afraid of as you enter into marriage? You know, there's not much that I'm afraid of. It's been... So the folks who know me under, know that it, I've been with my fiance now, although she has only been my fiance for about eight months, um, for eight and a half years, going on nine years. So I didn't just jump into a relationship and jump into marriage. And it's been a, it's been an amazing relationship. We've had ups and downs like everybody, but um, I feel as though you know we've lived together for the past five years, and I feel as though we work really really well together. We have a great partnership, not just love and romantic love but friendship and um and respect for each other so i'm i'm i'll say because i've waited and because i'm sure i wouldn't say that i have any fear around that to be you know to be real honest you have a philosophy about what you think makes relationship work you know, I think the thing that makes a relationship work is obviously you have to have a, a mutual respect for each other, but it's really uh, developing an empathy for who they are, how they think, and what has created their, those, those thought patterns. I, I've done a lot of work around this. Uh, you, know, you know this. I've studied neurolinguistic programming, which t- is a lot of people who don't really understand it just think it's a, a form of persuading other people to do things. That's like the... The, the tip of the iceberg that people see, but really, it's caused you. It's caused me to have to go back into uh, the way I operate and understand what caused me to operate the way I do. But then also to be able to look at others in the same way and go, okay, we're all just slightly different computers with different programmers in there. And right. I, for me, that's created an empathy to where if Kenya is reacting a certain way, I don't necessarily take it personal. I I try to put myself in her shoes and really think, okay, am I being a dick? Is this is this really me? And if it is, I'll full on raise my hand and say it. Um, but when you do that and when you're able to step into their shoes for even just a moment, I think it, it diffuses arguments before they occur and it makes things just a lot easier. Plus, I, I think it creates that respect if it's not there in the beginning. Got it. And... Uh you know, that just reminded me of a conversation you and I had in the beginning of our work together where I was getting to know you and we were talking about um, creating, you know, what, where do you want to go from here and what's your vision for your life and if you could, you know, what we call future pacing, right? Dream into five years, ten years. What, what, do you, what has to happen for you to have a life of no regret? So what has to happen from here, and this is where you and I, your, your work has been amazing for me in getting this, uh, this clarity block, but I have to, I, in order for me to go from where I am now to where I want to be, which is living a life of no regrets, I have to get really clear 
on what is most important to me and what I really need to be fulfilled because there's a lot of things out there I look at, you know, will this fulfill me? Will that fulfill me? I kind of think so. I don't know. And it's just not really a tangible thing. It's never, I've never dug deep enough to know what that is. You know, like I, I bought a $160,000 Audi R8 sports car a year and a half ago and yeah, I like it, but does it bring me fulfillment? Not in any way, shape or form. Does it make me happy? Uh, it's fun to drive, but do I live in my dream city, you know, with a beautiful, wonderful fiance? Yeah, but I always realize that there is the the things that bring me the most fulfillment uh, are a little bit intangible. So I'm trying to get a little bit more dialed in on that. Once I do that, I have to take action on those. And this was a big thing for me. It has been for years, and it's still stuck in there. Is I have to stop playing entrepreneur and really put my knowledge to use by organizing all the resources I have, inspiring others, leading a team, stepping into a leadership position, and going after life really like there's nothing to lose. Those are the things that I have to do. It's it's a little bit intangible. I I could tell you all the things I have to do from a business, tactical standpoint, etc. But, you know, continue to build my brand, continue to get out there, understand my offer. But really what it comes down to doing is stopping that feeling that I'm just playing entrepreneur and not being one as much as I need to. So when we had talked about that, can I bring up some of the things that we spoke of that, that uh, you shared with me that day? Because I, yeah. I think they're, they're, um, they're really some of the juicy stuff about you that I thought was fun to learn about you. You had said um, that you're confident in who you are uh, and you love creating value for others and being in service to others. And you explained to me that um, as we're starting to develop this, and I know that you keep, you want to keep playing with some of this, but one of the things that you have in your dream is that you wanted to be a keynote speaker and I asked you why, and you said, one of the, one of the things you said that I thought was certainly uh, in alignment with your values of serving others is you said that you it's a way for you to impact others. Can you still hear me? Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, your volume just went out uh, for a whoops. second. Um, yeah, that's true. Inspiring people has come up several times in your discussions with me and um, and your love of learning. Yeah. Like if, if I would have guessed what one of your answers was going to be about what you're passionate about is um, you just seem to, you never stop learning. Right? No, it, it's funny. That's where when I'm stressed or anxious, I'll pick up a book or a um or an info product or an audio or something and I'll just or a video and I'll dive through it and I'll just learn that brings me peace is learning new things um, so yeah it, that's part of it cool is it also sometimes an escape for you it is is that why you said yeah yep okay. I guess it's better than smoking or doing drugs or drinking yeah, right? exactly it's healthier okay and uh, so what what would you say um or maybe let me say do it this way. Who would you say have been your biggest teachers? So my biggest teachers, so obviously, without sounding cliche, my family, they you know, they are they are amazing people and they've taught me a lot. They gave me an amazing foundation where I wouldn't be where I'm at 
without them. My closest friends, as I mentioned, uh, they all have great qualities that I've drawn on in different situations. Like I kind of think of myself as a chameleon sometimes. Like I think, okay, what would Nate do in this situation? What would so and so? And I and I try to try to draw out the the best qualities of my closest friends. In business, it's been kind of a mix. Some of the people didn't know they were teaching me. Some of them are dead because they wrote great books and they're no longer with us. Like Napoleon Hill, um, and other folks in in the world of marketing. My uh, my first teacher was, um, well, I'll give a little bit of credit here. This will be fun because I'll share this with them. But uh, so uh, with, with neurolinguistic programming, I, I studied with Susan Stageman in Dallas for a year and a half. She was amazing. Uh, wouldn't be where I'm at without her. Um, Kevin Wilkie gave me my first information product on, on, uh, on how to do internet marketing. Tim Ferriss inspired the heck out of me with his book, 4-Hour Workweek. I, I give him credit all the time because... He's the one who set this kind of wheel where I'm at now the past, I don't know, seven years in motion. Uh, some of the other people that I, I, le- I read every single thing they put out and I try to learn from as much as possible, you know, folks like Jay Abraham, Stephen Pressfield, great author, uh, a, bi- an, a current business partner of mine was a mentor, Bob Serling, uh, Frank Kern, Mitch Axelrod has been a, uh, an amazing mentor of mine. Uh, my close friend, Sean Stevenson, is one of the most inspiring people I know, close friend, uh, I look up to him. He's taught me quite a bit about what it really means to be a, an amazing person. And a uh, current client, friend, business partner of mine, Kent Clothier. So I've worked with Kent for the past uh, two years, maybe. We, we've known each other for maybe two and a half years. And he's really taught me quite a lot about uh, everything about you know being a, a good man, family man, friend, business leader and uh, I've been fortunate to make money with him from him and um, also learn an amazing amount with Kent so uh, those are some of my biggest teachers to list them all would be here forever and what do you think people learn from you you know that's another that's another one I've struggled with because who you are so I like to think of myself as uh, you know, a big-time optimist who thinks outside the box. And I've had some of my friends who are not in the, you know, in the world of entrepreneurship. They're in um, their traditional jobs, which is fine. But they've told me that they really admire the fact that I don't do anything. Like, that I just create opportunities or I create Money, like you're, you're, you're always doing something different, weird, something I would never even imagined is is capable. And I like to think that I'm cracking open people's minds of what's possible. I mean, my very first business, I created a online course of me doing, you know, bar magic tricks in my living room and made a six figure business out of that and sold that business. I mean, my and I was in my mid 30s when I did this, and I was marketing to people typically in their 20s, and. I think I blew all my friends away going, wait a minute, weren't you this like professional financial services guy and all this other stuff? I can't even believe that's possible. So I like to think that one of the things I do is I I show people what's possible, not what's probable. And I have to, conti- you know, I always try to continue to remind myself to look in the mirror and teach myself that. The other things uh, have to do with like a lot of my clients come to me because I always have a an insightful 
an, an insightful response to their business problem and a solution that isn't necessarily in the box. As I said, I can I can recall strategies that have not necessarily worked for me, but have worked for somebody that I was sitting in a mastermind with three years ago, and he said this, and I just kind of filed it away in the hey maybe this will work space, and I'll you know I can pull those out and help people uh, dial that in. But it's also been a it's been a sticking point for me in trying to. In, uh, pigeonhole myself, right? In, in a good way, it's like trying to find that specialty. Like, why do you come to Brad? Do you come to Brad for uh, learning how to do Facebook advertising, to learn how to write copy, to learn how to uh, sell a business, to do whatever? And I don't feel as though I have that one specialty, except for I feel like I have the ability to kind of see around corners to solve problems by connecting the dots, whether those are, you know, people dots or information dots. And that may have been a really long-winded answer to that, but... Okay, it's okay. You know where my brain just went? You said there's not much I'm scared of, and I was just... I was just um, I'm not sure why this popped up, but I was remembering on one of our first calls where um, you and I have a lot of the same skills. We just use them in different arenas, right? And so... Because um, it's probably important people know that you'll turn the tables and coach me to my stuff as much so I can be successful, so... Um, but I remember cutting through this stuff and seeing around the corner, so to speak, and saying to you, okay, Brad, here's your next stretch that, that uh, I want you to consider. And uh, I told you what it was, and immediately all your fears and all you were like, no, not that. Wait, and we haven't spoken about it again. Wait, was that, was? was that the Vipassana meditation? <laughs> yeah. Well, so what's funny, it's not that I'm totally scared wait, of that. Let's but, tell people what it is. Let's tell okay, people what it well, is. Well, so you, te- you tell them what it is because you, it, it, you've it, done it. So, yeah, so um, when we were talking, I I spoke to you about, um, you know, really wanting to have you break through what stops you. And, and we call that finding stretches in life that kind of bring up, you know, the fears and the anxiety quickly. And so on that call, I did just that. And I said, Brad, I think the next thing you should do is the 10-day silent retreat. It's the Vispasana retreat. And you have to know, just for your for your audience to know, for those of you who don't know, you're not just in silence. You are not to look at, interact with anyone else for 10 days. You're with you and you, and you're out of your life. Like, there's no writing, reading, phones, electronics, nothing for 10 days. And so now you tell them, tell them you're... Yeah, so so yeah. first of all, yeah, I mean, that that is, it, it is scary. I, I will say that. And it's even funnier because my buddy Rob has told me many stories when we've been out. And, dude, I live in Southern California, so talks about meditation, retreats, that is... That's tip of the tongue for everybody out here. Right, and right. so Rob Rob did this, and Rob is like, oh, I couldn't, I had nightmares for a year. I didn't sleep right. He goes, it messed me up. I was, you know, he, and he, he just go, went into some of the hallucinations, the deep, dark hallucinations he had. And he's like, yeah, that was crazy. Um, holy crap. So it was funny, and I think we had been talking about it like a week prior to you bringing that up. So it was really fresh in my mind, somebody else going, Oh hell no! But well, and and what I love about what you know when we talked about it, and what you brought up when you said you know I'm not really afraid of much, is that we say that, and I think a lot of us say that. Um, I, I've said it my whole life. There are very few things I'm afraid of, but I do think there's a natural fear of of knowing ourselves, yeah, of what we're gonna find out, right? Like yeah. if you go to this class, now, what if your mind does what Rob's mind does, and it's as crazy as his mind, right? Right. Well, and you know I've done. Um, I've done a decent amount of work. I've sat with several entheogenic and psychedelic medicines that really, in, in a very 
sacred, you know, place where it's not, you know, partying, but um, things that have opened me up to my psyche, some of them beautiful, some of them dark and scary and whatnot. So I'm, I'm pretty comfortable in exploring some of those areas, but at the same time, yeah, it still kind of freaks me out all the time. And uh, the, the one thing though, like, yeah, 10 days, whoa, that, that, it is scary. It's, it is one of those things that a million things come up like, oh my damn. But, um, not saying I won't do it, but yeah, that, that came up as a, as a, as a Yeah, and and I don't know how many of your listeners watched your interview with, uh, with Sean Stevenson. I thought, um, and, and I, what I, you know, I loved how vulnerable that interview was and Sean's so great about and your connection together was just, uh, it was beautiful to watch. But he was so great about turning the tables on you on that interview. Yeah. And I thought, oh, my gosh, he's doing with Sean what he does with me when we get vulnerable. Exactly. Start dancing around it, right? Oh, yeah. And, I, and our work together, it's about uh, getting those muscles strong of literally finding what's in your blind spot and learning to go, wow, if I'm afraid or I'm nervous, that's exactly where I should go. So, um, so that leads me to the next question. And again, I... I'm very aware that I ask you these questions and you're going to answer me from what you can see today. Yeah. Right? Uh, and I'm sure in five years we could ask you these same questions and have different answers. But, but So for people who don't know you as intimately as people like Sean and Lowe's and some of your inner circle, um, what do you struggle with the most? And, and I mean that place that we all have, we don't necessarily sometimes even talk about it. We're so used to walking around with it. But like when you lay your head on the pillow at night, you're like, man, I'm, I'm really tired of dealing with this inside myself. Um, so I'd say that 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 lack of that lack of clarity of feeling like this is the easiest thing in the world. When people say, what do you want? Um, and I go, I don't know. I really don't know. And it's like I feel almost like I'm copying out or I'm being lazy and thinking about it. Uh, but at the same time, it, it doesn't come to me because I know that it's not it's, I, I don't just uh, yes I want material things but that's not what I want down you know deep uh, that clarity uh, oftentimes creates problems but then I also the thing I struggle with is I get paralysis by analysis I overthink things like like crazy and uh, it oftentimes prevent me from doing it and then when I then I get really mad at myself because I look back and I go, I know this. I have everything I need to put this into place. Why did I not do it? And maybe a year, two years down the road, and I see other people who aren't are not nearly as skilled and whatever that was as myself, and they but they just got out there and took action. And I say this as a guy who also does take action. I I, I don't do this constantly, but I don't. I also don't take the action enough, and I get completely paralyzed. Uh, and I think that also what happens that I do, and this really uh, bugs me and annoys me, is that oftentimes I quit when things get rough, but as opposed to just quitting, I change horses. So, and I know this demonstrates a lack of commitment on my part from the get-go. Like I think, hey, this is a shiny new object. I'm going to go start to pursue that. And I get the ball rolling and then I realize, oh crap, this is not as easy as it, as I thought it would be and as it sounds. So I like, oh, here's another shiny. I'm just going to get on this horse because now this horse is nice to me. And I get to ride it up to a gallop and it's not all crazy. 
But I've done that, and what happens is I start, you know, I'll climb one ladder, and I'll get only so high, and then I'll go climb the other ladder, and I'll go climb the other ladder, and I just realize I keep on hitting that, that glass ceiling of myself without just committing and breaking through when the, when the times are, are rough. And I also, what keeps me up at night is wondering why I feel like I have every opportunity to make an enormous splash in this world. Um, and I don't feel as though I've done it. And I don't necessarily know that I'm on the path to doing that. And it frustrates and scares the hell out of me because that is one of the things that is important to me is is I've been given and, I, and I've co-created an amazing life to a point. Amazing by many people's standards. And, and I'm grateful for it, but it's not amazing by my standard. I mean, you said this to me in the past where, Brad, your 30% looks like somebody else's 100%. I'm like, yeah, but it's, to me it doesn't look like 100%. And I'm fortunate enough to have been successful enough to where I don't have day-to-day money issues. I don't have those other worries. So, you know, this is, you know, I, I don't expect sympathy from anybody for, oh, look how hard he's got it. He's struggling with this stuff. But I think a lot of people do struggle with that. And I put my head down on the pillow at night and going, you're not, you're not living a life that you would be really proud of. You're living a life that you'd be comfortable in. And that's not a life that I want. Because that's not the life that inspires me when I see others people have it, and that and that doesn't inspire me thinking about just you know living in the comfort zone. You know, I love that you brought that up because, um, as you know, you're you're guiding me to create my first webinar with with and take my career on a whole new path. And uh, one of the things that I'm really passionate about is how how much we in our culture accept our own either bare minimum or just good enough or what I call mediocrity, right? I call it the biggest disease on the planet. Um, and and the, I think the difficult thing, and you brought it up so beautifully, and I, I hope all of your fan base really takes a look at what you just shared because it gives them permission to go here, is I think it's more challenging for those of us who are successful by a thermometer of the population. I think it's more challenging sometimes for us to – can I curse on your show? Do it. Drop. Okay, it's, it's it's harder for us not to buy our own bullshit because we've dressed it up so beautifully with, by any measures of success, right? Mm-hmm. We've, we've created degrees and businesses and money and what have you. And so we've created this kind of comfortable cushion where it's more difficult. And I, I honor you for your courage to say, like, I've got all this money in the bank. I've got all these great people around me. I do all these great things. And here's the truth, because that's the hard place to go is to say, Am I, am I really operating at my fullest potential, given what I'm capable of, and going to the places that would scare me to go, not compared to anybody else, mm-hmm. other than compared to what I'm capable of? Right. Right. So it reminds me of a conversation we had, uh, and I'm just going to go where I go because I know you can edit out anything you don't <laughs> want on this video. Of, and it was a really amazing conversation as you've been allowing me to push you to this dream place and you know the where would scare myself. And you talked about creating a um, a mastermind all your own that has a certain level of entrepreneurs in it and certain types of minds in it. And we explored the list of, you know, okay, who would be the big guys on that list and what would be the dream? And, you know, I started throwing in certain people like, oh, there was, there was one or two that I brought up that you went, 
oh, no, 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 that one's way out of my reach. And I'm like, okay, and you know me, whenever you do stuff like that, I'm like, okay, let's go there, right? Yeah. Um, and that was a fun day because you were really, you were really out of the box uh, to the point that you, you at least allowed yourself to be scared for a moment or not. To me, when you're dreaming big, you, your fear comes up and all your unworthiness and not enough stuff comes up. Yeah. And so I thought that was awesome that you went there. And then the, the other thing you brought up that day was you would like to make a difference in the arena of education. Can yeah. you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so it's been a weird this – is, this has been a weird fascination of mine. Maybe not so weird. So I don't have children yet. I, I, I would like to have a child uh, someday That's very soon. One. Yep. Are you going to make him be an only child also? Yep. No, yeah. no other. Nope. Nope. Only one. <laughs> well, and both of us feel like that, so that's kind of cool. Um, but the uh, so I, I don't have a child. There's not a lot of children in my family, so I've not really been around the educational system so much. Except that I've analyzed like because I, I love learning. And I like to think about the way that I learn. And I started learning so much more when I was out of college. Um, and I could learn with whatever I was curious about. And, I, and I've noticed the changes that have occurred in my lifetime from what is possible to learn on your own now in different ways that were not even possible then. So I think we've come to a time where um, I think the – and I don't want to go into this in too much depth, but I I've, I believe that for in in the most parts the educational system is broken. I think that I also don't think that my ideas of education are suitable for everybody because I think there are a lot of just people who are destined for mediocrity and they will be like that forever. I don't believe that everybody has the uh, you know that everybody is going to have this you know amazing you know, life, there is going to be average people. That's why, you know, average is a mean. But for people who want to take their life in their own hands and who want to utilize the opportunities that are there and solve bigger problems in this world, I believe that the educational system is broken, college is broken, the financial system there is broken, and that there are ways that people can write their own rules and not, which I'm a, I, I have a big problem with authority. I, I like to write my own rules and, and I've learned so much more on my own than I ever could, you know, with somebody just teaching at me. Um, I get inspired by reading stories in the book Abundance by Peter Diamandis about the self-organized learning environments that started over in India and then, you know, go on. And I, I will find myself going down the rabbit hole of reading about how the educational system is, is kind of messed up. But at the same time, as messed up as that is, the alternative education system is now as good as it's ever been. And I see that is what really empowers people who want to empower themselves. And... Like, I don't have a child yet, but when I do, I have already been given a lot of thought to what is, like, one of the coolest ways that I can alternatively educate this person. And I don't want to use the word homeschool because that might not be it, but create opportunities for them in ways that um, are totally, you know, to the beat of a different drummer. Awesome. And where where did this passion start? Don't you know I- what I love about you? i got to tell you this is if I ask you a direct question uh, and I make you think about it, right? You, often you'll, there's where you'll minimize it and you go, I don't know, I don't really have a good answer. Like your judgment probably gets in the way of you answering. 
But if we're just rapping about something that's true for you, like all your passionate stuff starts coming out, and uh, it's it's really neat because you you speak into it more naturally. So mm-hmm. um, I, I hope your I hope your uh, viewers appreciate that about you. Um, so where did this passion about the education system come from? Was it about what you struggled with with your own learning? It might be. I don't know. With this. There's no root. There's no root of it. Like I've actually thought about like why why do I really care about this so much? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think it's because so I remember when I, I heard this term, the autodidact. Do you know what have you ever heard of that? Autodidact. So A U T O D I D A C whatever. Is somebody who auto uh, is like on themselves like themselves and didact is to learn. And I think it's like a Latin thing, but it's uh somebody who learns on their own, who takes the initiative to to learn, to seek out information and knowledge. And in the world of information marketing, which I've spent a, a decent amount of time in I, I feel as though the people who buy home study courses, the people who buy books, the people who buy you know nonfiction how-to stuff are autodidacts. They realize that there are answers out there that that people you know are providing, and they're like, okay, the answer's out there. I'm going to learn it. I'm going to read it. Whether right. they take action or not, they they start. That's a totally different story. But anybody who purchases home study courses, anybody who listens to nonfiction business-related podcasts, are trying to learn, and take their education in their own hands because there's a lot of other distractions out there. There's a trillion dollar industry in entertainment of all the other things you could do. I mean, you could be listening to comedy or music or whatever, but if you spend your time listening to podcasts, for instance, hey, you are you are learning on your own. So that I'm like that. I am an autodidact. I, I love taking those opportunities. And I remember thinking about school and how boring school was for me, and it's not necessarily because I was that smart. I just didn't like it. Like I was not a straight A student. I was a, I was probably a B, you know, B student. Um, and many times, I would, I would uh, sit there the night before a test, and I would create the perfect cheat sheet, and I would, I would, I would want to cheat. Not necessarily because I thought I had to, but because it was more of a challenge to cheat than to do this other sure. stuff. To get around the system, right? Yeah, I I love bucking do it the system. Your way. Yeah, very much. Right. So, and what I would find out is after I like I'd have the cheat sheet stuck in my shoe or somewhere else, and I'd realize that just by creating the cheat sheet, I didn't need the cheat sheet, right? Because I, I learned it because I spent so right. much time learning in my own way. Yeah, it was about the cheating, right? And then I'd always I also got really frustrated at certain things like I'm not interested in. Um, Oh, I don't know. I don't even remember what it was. Like chemistry. I'm not interested in chemistry. Why do I have to take like three chemistry classes and do all of this other stuff? Why are we suppressing people in order to make them more well, well-rounded? You know, like I've never thought of this metaphor before, but, you know, the, the whole, well, make somebody a well-rounded individual. Send them to all these different prerequisites in college and all this other stuff. Well, when you take the edges off of people, you take off the parts that, Sometimes that edge is what punctures through and allows them to to make a real dent in the world. If everybody else is just a round, shiny ball, then you know there, nobody has any edge to them. So I really think it's important to take some of these natural predilections, because we all have them, and accentuate those. And um, I don't know. I, 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 it's just one of those things, because I like learning. The how to learn comes up, and I, and I think what I want to put my child through that system that just spits people out. Like I was spit out, although I turned out well, I think. I'm like, well, what if it was different? I don't know. But I'm willing to experiment on my unborn child. 
I say that but now. Don't, but don't we all? Yeah. Don't we all experiment on our children? Yeah, and so, you know, I was, I was thinking as you were talking about your interview with, Vin, with Vinny the other day that you sent to me, and I thought when you said uh, you, you'd create the cheat sheet to get around the system and, you know, to do it your way, and I thought, well, is that why, is that why be, you became an entrepreneur? Yeah. Did you and Vinny talk about how we get to jump to the front of the line. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I'm that guy. I am absolutely that guy when you're in, when you're in line, not in line for um, – on the road, there's like uh, two or three lanes, and then there's a, the exit ramp road, and there's a really long line for the exit ramp. I will go over there. I am that butthole who gets up there and just waits for somebody to let me in because I know they will let me in, and I don't have to wait. Yeah. I'm not causing that. And then, obviously, if everybody did that, the system would implode. It wouldn't work. But guess what? Not everybody does that. And that's what I was t- saying earlier. The average person, the, there will always be a mean in society. You will never get rid of po- complete poverty. You will never get rid of mediocrity. But you can take the people who want to and give them the opportunity to climb out of it. So I'm the same way. It's like, look, I am going to – I'm not harming anybody per se by going up there and jumping to the front of that little line. And I'm not harming any. And I could probably talk about this for a while, but – um, I also have the belief, like in school these days, everything should be an open internet test for the most part, after you understand the basics. But we are suppressing our ability to stand on the shoulders of giants by making us start at the bottom again. It's like, okay, you have to understand all your multiplication tables. You have to understand yeah, all yeah, this yeah. stuff. We will never be without one of these in our pockets again. We will never have that. So stop solving you know, the, the, the same problems that we were solving yeah, well, 100 system, years ago. Yeah, the, the system is antiquated. I mean, sure, you, you said it to me 100 times in developing myself as an entrepreneur. And, and I look, I think those of us who are entrepreneurs love it because it gives us freedom to be who we are. Uh, I think you, did you send me the article on the Ferrari brain and the tricycle brakes? No, but I think I I've read you the article. I think I sent it to you then. One or the it, other. I thought, yeah, yeah. If, as an entrepreneur, I think every one of us should read it because it, it gives us permission to be who we are and like really pull out, like appreciate. I think our brains do work differently. Just right. The out of the box, what have you. Um, and, and what I think you're talking about, which I appreciate so much because it's one of my soapboxes I get on besides the mediocrity thing, is um, teach our kids to be critical thinkers and yes. problem solvers, not to be good followers and everybody sit the same way and everybody learn the same way. And, you know, I say that to my kids every day, like, let's think through it. What are all the possible solutions given what the outcome you want to have? And then how do you want to go find that? And I love what you've taught me along the way, which is don't reinvent the wheel. You and Dan Martell talk about it all the time, all the other, like go find someone who's done it. And you guys call it uh, repurposing. <laughs> Borrowing brilliance. Uh, Borrowing brilliance and then and then put it into your own stuff. And How, by the way, however, I don't always practice what I preach there, as in many things. I am a tinkerer. Uh, Vinny also talked about this. I am a tinkerer. I will take a proven process and try to and try to add my own spin on it, just because I want to add my spin on it. If you give me a process to follow, I want to claw my eyeballs out. Like I am not a process driven person. I can potentially create processes, but I hate nothing more than following something step by step by step because I can my brain's always like uh, I bet you could do this and what if you totally did something different here that may not work but it satisfies my ability to tinker and I tell my clients you included don't do that just you know 
don't reinvent the damn yeah. wheel. Yeah, you keeping me on the one thing makes me crazy. Like, I, I keep wanting to go over here, and I got this idea over there, and like, so create this one thing, and I'm like, Jesus, I want to pull my hair out right, right. now. And I I need, yeah, and I need people to, to say that to me, because I'm telling, whenever I tell you that stuff, it's me telling me that stuff, and trying to remind myself, like, yeah, you know this stuff, idiot. Like, <laughs> Yeah. No, the, I, I have people on, I always say, not only be the dumbest person on my team, but have everybody on my team is opposite of me, and I have a question for you about this part. Because I relate to you in this way where I think us visionaries and entrepreneurs have all these great floating balloon ideas all the time and, you know, our brains never stop. So I have people on my team that just ground me and keep my feet on the ground, you know. Mm-hmm. And I've learned to create my own system of and until this person tells me I have the go button, <laughs> you know, I have, I've learned to be a little better about that. But how do you tell the difference for yourself between uh, visionary, excited, you know the kind of energy that goes on. I don't. I don't really have to explain it to you because you're an entrepreneur like me, and, and those who relate to this will get it without an, much of an explanation. But how do you tell the difference between all that that constant ener- energy that us bright entrepreneurs have in our brain versus being ADV? That that and when I say ADV, I mean that really like gets in your way of being successful. ADV. Oh, I battle it like crazy. I mean, it is a constant battle because I I have I am ADD. Uh, you know, it's. Um, and do you call it your superpower, like Dan and that with the guy who interviewed him? I forgot his name, but uh, I do, do I do it. Yeah, because I mean, it's it's a superpower, and it comes with a lot of uh, <laughs> catches, right? But uh, that energy, yeah. So I I know myself enough to know that I will focus insanely hard in short bursts of time and you will sit me down especially if it's a creative project or whatever and I will sit down and I will be a laser in there you cannot peel me away from whether it's the computer or whatever I'm doing but when you do pull me away maybe like the next day I'll be right back at it and I'll be boom 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 in these short bursts but over a longer period of time it will immediately like I've just used all the gas in the tank for that thing that I'm focusing on that's why I'm not a good manager I am not somebody who manages processes very well because of that same thing. I need the novelty. I need the... Um, We're like adrenaline junkies. Right? I'm an adrenaline junkie, absolutely. <laughs> and yeah. I'm really good in creative bursts, but then my brain, it's, it's like it won't go back to certain places after I've done these creative bursts. That's been a big problem for me. But How do you compensate? Or do you not worry about compensating? You just move on. I don't know if I effectively compensate, <laughs> to, to be okay. honest. Um, okay. it, that, that part might be broken, but um, I try to take on, I try to be cognizant of that and not take on too many tasks or projects that are going to require that. And from the get-go, because I know now my patterns and how I will work, I try to set myself up for, uh, okay, who else can I bring on once this thing gets rolling? And who else can I... Uh, have to help create this, uh, to you know, to, to help pick up where I where I leave off, clean up my mess. That, I... Would you say that's one of the biggest things you've had to learn to overcome to be yeah. successful entrepreneur? Yeah. In yourself. Yeah, and it's yeah. one of the biggest problems why it's hard for me to get clear or commit to one path, one career path is because I like novelty so much. I like so many new things, uh, and just the idea of being with in one business for a while makes me go, ooh, yuck. Yeah, no, I relate. Even as you're having me develop this, uh, you know, I'm working on the one product of Transform Your Business, and you're having me create this this webinar, 
so I'm gonna I'm gonna confess right now that so behind the scenes I've got six products right, and behind the scenes I'm doing like all this other stuff because I'm like okay well while we're focused on that I have all these other great things that I've developed and like feel strange to just yep. dabble in that one thing and I've I've had several careers just because I can't as I grow and evolve I I can't sit that long but like every five seven years I change careers right um they're all related of course so have you. What's the longest you've done one thing? Or have you ever done one thing? No. Well, the longest is maybe a couple... Maybe a couple years. I take that back. I, I did have a... Nah, can't even say that. Because even when I... When I stopped being a financial advisor in the end of 2001, I moved over at uh, Prudential where I was w- working and uh, for about the next six years, I was... Um, Kind of an analyst consulting role, so it was really, really easy. I had it was it was a great cushy job. Like it was the epitome of comfort zone. Like you've never seen comfort zone um, job. And I had I had absolutely no super like daily supervision, so I could do whatever I wanted. I worked in an office with two people who were my exact uh, equals in the company, and our boss was in New York. And we were all like, "This is like the the fox is not guarding the hen house," and we just. We'd watch TV during the day. We'd get our job done, but it was just like, this is the greatest thing in the world, and I was making good money, so I could not leave it. It was total handcuffs. But at the same time, I was never fulfilled. They were really fulfilled doing whatever they did, but I started like I started doing real estate investing then. I started doing um, – I, I picked up another like independent sales position, so I'd leave during the, during the middle of the day once we, you know, we had cell phones. I'm like, hey, I'll do my work there, but I'll leave in the middle of the day and go sell other, other stuff to try to give myself a leg up. So I was never just doing one thing. Right. And then when I got laid off from that job at, at Pru, I uh, I had I had income already there. So I already, already, always had a backup plan. So it's really hard for me not to be doing multiple things at once. Got it. And I like so that this, about me and I hate it at the same time. So this mainly applies in business for you because you've been in your relationship yeah. now how long? Uh, yeah, like not, almost nine years. And, and it's you, been good and faithful. We've never broken up. It's never, you know, it's it's a normal, healthy relationship. I, I did not have a problem committing there, so which is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So at least it's not in everywhere in my life. Yeah. Do you notice uh, out in in life when your ADD kicks in? Uh, do you notice that you're distracted when you're amongst people? Yeah, or yeah. This the, yeah. this starts happening. <laughs> <laughs> like like all of it's us. Funny. Right? You know, I my my first in-person experience with you other than the interview was in the boardroom and um and so you know i'm curious about people and so i told i tell you this a million times i was watching you at the side of the at the side of you were standing there while kent was talking and i thought i wonder what brad's thinking right now because i could tell your brain was like moving and i didn't know you were add at the time and so and sometimes on our calls i can tell where you are for the day based on like kind of what what you're what you look like or how i what i hear in your voice um so what kind of things like frustrate you the most or and I don't mean about you but like mm-hmm. about life? Oh, what kind of things frustrate me? Not about me, about life. Let me think. You know, nothing really Nothing really comes to mind. I don't really get that frustrated about life. I get frustrated when technology doesn't work like I want it to. I get frustrated when um <laughs> I, I get what I get frustrated with the most is when I do have momentum on something and there's a block 
and I have to wait for somebody or something to happen. Uh, I mean, it could be a slow computer, right? But because I'm, my brain is moving a million miles a minute, and I'm like, go, 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 and it's like I need that momentum because I operate very well at a very fast pace, that when if something stops me, that's the most frustrating thing for me is that losing momentum. I'm dealing with something right now where I'm waiting for somebody to approve some stuff, and... Um, it's like it's stopped my momentum. So when it, you stop my momentum, my attention starts to drift elsewhere, and that's never good for Brad. We, we, we lose, yeah. Yeah. Lose. So that yeah, so that's frustrating. And so we talked about um, people who've inspired you and taught you, and um, you and Sean talked about a story, and I think it might have been when he asked you about one of the biggest pains in your life. Mm-hmm. And you told a story about uh, the situation with your dad. Yeah. You had moved and. He didn't think you had made a good decision. And you talk a lot about the great relationship you've created with him today. Um, so is that is that story that he didn't ask it this way? I was going to say, what's the saddest thing that's ever happened to you? You know, if you look at the word sad, so I, I, I've lost people like to death. Uh, not I've been really fortunate that I've never lost anybody who was like so extremely close. It felt like they got ripped out for my life like too early you know my grandfather passed away I, I got three grandparents still my grandfather passed away um, years ago he was in his 90s so it, as I said it was sad to lose him because I loved him very much but it wasn't like it was ripped away so it was I've had sad moments but the saddest thing I've went through probably was that when the the term sad came up because it was a time where I I was really happy doing cool things and I was proud of myself and then at the time my dad didn't approve and he you know, and he, and his disapproval became like I, almost it felt like disgust. Like oh, I can't believe you're doing that. I'm not even going to talk to you for a while. And I just, I got nothing to say. It was, it was as if I had done something ten times worse. I didn't even think I was doing anything bad. It was just like, hey, I get it, but I would kind of expect you to be like, hey, this is okay. You're doing what you're doing. I still believe in you, but I, I think you're screwing up. But I still love you. That's, that's kind of what I would have wanted to hear, but I didn't get that. Um, and I think a lot of people can relate to that feeling of having somebody that they really love not believe in them or not give them the support they wanted at the time that they most needed it Um, at the same time it took me a little while to do this it was harder to do it at the time but I got really good once more empathy and putting myself in somebody else's shoes and understanding that everybody's you know, behavior has a positive intention for them. So a positive intention for him was, I want to protect my son from the mistakes that, you know, that he could make and that the world will screw him up and all this work that I've done, he may be getting, uh, it's, is, he, is he not listening to me? And I, and I could see it was probably very frustrating for him and, you know, the, the, the resources that he had at the time where I'm just going to shut off before I say something because maybe he was worried. Maybe he did want to tell me some stuff and scream at me and yell at me and give me his point of view, but maybe he was worried that that would do more damage than just being silent, right? So I don't know. We haven't actually had that conversation, but maybe it was, and if it is, that's cool. I forgive him. I forgave him years ago, and he's one of my absolute best friends now, so that's been repaired, but it was a a moment where I was like, wow, um, I was a damn good kid, and you're just going to like ignore me now because I didn't do what you wanted me to and you've known me for 22 years. I've never done exactly what you wanted. So, uh, yeah. anyway. So you that, know when you'll get 
You know when you'll get the rest of that lesson is when you have your son. Totally. And he, and then you're on the receiving end of that. Totally. And then you'll have an experience. You'll go, oh, this was it. Exactly. <laughs> and, and I and I kind of put myself there. Like, what would I do if this was my son and yeah. he was doing this stuff? It's like, I get it. So I, I can't fault. I don't fault people necessarily well, for the reactions. And, and that's such a cool thing. that You know, we've talked about this. There's a fine line between making sure that we own the feelings that we had at the time. Right? And, you know, I, my, one of my careers was uh, the mental health profession. And then I've since left that because I so believe in um, empowerment coaching for people to really move their life forward and not be a victim to their past. So I love that you talk about it that way. Because um, I do think that it's so important that we grow ourselves up and not only own what we felt then, but reframe into, okay, now that I'm an adult and I can put myself in my parents' shoes, um, you know, what's going on for them because. Uh, and and you don't you don't have this yet, but I, I think you have enough empathy to get what I'm saying. I know after having three kids that you're just this human being trying to raise these kids, and you're doing the best you can. And it's it's challenging when your stuff comes up in your parenting. So totally, uh, I'm sure it's cool for your dad that you can talk, you can speak that way, and develop a friendship. And that's the work is not being a victim to anything as much as possible. Yeah, exactly. A- so given that, what are, as an entrepreneur, what do you think you have to learn? These are my words, so if they don't okay. fit for you. I believe to be a, a, a good entrepreneur. You know, Barbara Cochran talked about um, be good at dealing with failure. That's her thing. It's one of her things that she talked about a lot, which I love. I absolutely love it. And some of you guys at the board when we're talking about, uh, I don't remember who said it was, just get your first failure out of the way so you can learn to tolerate it yeah. right? and, just, and then just move on. Um, so that's, those are examples. What do you think you have had to learn to tolerate to be a successful entrepreneur and or what do you think entrepreneurs in general, we call it the entrepreneurial mindset, right? What do you think that for you, what are the most critical pieces? Well, yeah, the dealing with failure. Luckily, I failed at multiple things and I've even failed to the point, as I said, where it put me down to zero. I've luckily... Like I even think my lucky stars that I haven't failed to the point where it actually put me hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt where I raised a whole bunch of money or did something like that and I, all I did was cost me money uh, and took right. me to zero as opposed to you know, the other. I have a lot of respect for people who have dug themselves out. But the, getting comfortable with that, getting comfortable with letting go. Uh, Vinny actually talked – I don't know if we brought this up on our last podcast – but he said this in the past, and I really like it. He goes, you got to get comfortable with somebody, with handing the reins over to somebody who is 70% as good as you. So that's really hard to do because you know you're good. You've got all this stuff going, and this is your baby. You birthed it. And um, now you have to hand it over, ideally, if you ever want freedom, to somebody who's going to manage it. And they're only going to be 70%, if you're lucky, as good as you, as dedicated as you, who cares as much as you. And that's one of the reasons they won't be as good as you is because they don't care as much. Um, but in order to do that, that, that's a hard thing to let go. That's really hard for me to outsource. It's hard for me to hire and delegate and do that kind of stuff. Especially it's hard for me if I'm not a hundred percent clear on where we're going, if it's going to work, the exact actions to get there. Cause I'm kind of figuring it out all on my own and I have to sometimes zoom out and just go, no, what am I really doing this for? And what? You know what? This is where stop playing entrepreneur comes in. Is I need to act like one and really organize the vision and the leadership. You know my leadership around what's going to happen sure. and see to it. So I think that's really critical because I think most of the people that uh, I don't want to say that most of the people I know, a lot of the people I know and a lot of the people I see who are 
quote internet marketers are really just one man show you know they're just internet salespeople and there's a big difference I'm just an internet salesperson I'm creating crap so I can sell it to people online and I'm figured out the tactics that's not a true entrepreneur and I did that for years and this is one of the areas I've tried to break out of is like no I don't just want to be and you know just an internet salesman I actually want to build something like you know substantial yeah, I, I love that you bring that up because you and Vinny talked about, uh, so we, o- we open up this, this framework to create something, right? And then what I think Vinny called backing ourselves into being the person who does every job. And I remember back when I had first met, met Rich and we were doing some work together and he put the chart on the board in front of the students we were working with and, and it was every road led back to you, mm-hmm, right? You're yeah. the manager, you're the secretary, you're, the, you're everything. And that was when I realized at that time I was running a different business and I was like, wow, I own a job. I don't, I'm not an entrepreneur, I own a job. It was a really sad day. Yeah. I'm like, no wonder I'm stressed and no wonder I hate this. And, yeah, yeah. It's, it's true. It's, it's a really hard one to, uh, to deal with, but it's a transition that has to be made and it's one I'm trying to make right now in my own business. Yeah, I, 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 and it's what I said to my family when I kind of turned everything upside down because you can't unring a bell, right? You can't not see it. And I thought, I just, I just can't run the business this way anymore. I'm going to take a leap and jump. And it was one of the scariest things uh, for me. But um, so what do you, given what you're saying, you have had to learn to tolerate and what you want to create, is that what's next for you? Building this big yeah. something? Yeah. So is it just a matter of mapping out what the details are of what that is? Yeah, it really is. I've got certain businesses that I'm, in working in or on at the moment so sometimes there's loose ends I have to tie up Uh, other times there's things I have to decide am I moving forward with this or not there's new ventures that I'm in the middle of potentially doing and it's kind of trying to get my brain around all right which ones like I may have to eject some stuff that I don't really want to eject but I may have to in order to you know get what I really need and the um that's re- I think that's really kind of what's next. I mean, the, the thing that I love the most, like in my boardroom mastermind, which um, if you guys are interested, you can go to theboardroommastermind.com and take a look at it and see, you know, you, you can apply. But, yeah, and I could tell you just if I could give you a little plug there because I'm, I'm, uh, it, was, it was really amazing to be in that room and to be amongst the minds that were in there and everyone was just such a giver. I mean, I still keep in touch with some of the guys that were in there. That's and great. Just, just good people, successful people, and in such a short time um, have you know, just everyone giving like that to everybody else's business. It was amazing. So. Yeah, it's an it's a environment I like to create and I'm good at it and it does bring together my skills of uh, connection, authentic connection, but also uh, my ability to solve a lot of problems based on my knowledge. So I don't just come with, like, I don't just come to the party with a hammer. And I think that's like, maybe, you know, maybe that's my brand. I don't just, because, you know, they say the man who's only got a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Like, I don't yeah. just have a hammer. I have a lot of stuff. I may not be the best with the tools, but I got all the tools. So the, um, that is, you know, creating a more experiential environment for entrepreneurs to connect, share ideas, share thoughts, solve problems, and which creates opportunity for me as well is one of the big directions that, uh, you know, that I wish to go as well as sharing my knowledge, 
the specialized knowledge that I do have with others to inspire them to kind of break out of their own either comfort zone or their own ideas of what's possible for them. And, you know, if the stuff that I say resonates with them, invite them to follow me, which is what I do on this podcast. Um, follow me. Maybe I can shed some light on what works and what doesn't. Gotcha. And so as we start to wrap up today uh, and, and close this, I know we both have a have some time commitments. Uh, I'm curious at, well, let's do a fun one. Like, what's one of the craziest, what's one of the craziest, I, I want to say dumb, but you called your, some of your financial downfalls dumb. So I'm, yeah. I'm worried that you'll talk about that. But what's one of the craziest things you've ever done in your life? So, and, you're you and you're glad you did it. So one person's crazy is not necessarily yeah. uh, another one's. Like, but I'll say some of the most daring things that I've done. Um, well, okay, so when I moved to Orlando after college, I grew up in St. Louis, went to you know, college in Illinois, and right after college I didn't have a job, and I, I, I drove down to visit a buddy of mine in Orlando who worked for Disney, graduated a year before me, and I didn't go home for nine months. Like I packed my bags for a week, and I told my parents, hey, guys, I've been home for a week. I'm going to go down and visit a buddy. And I called my mom like five days later, and I said, hey, I'm, I just got a job at, at Disney. I'm making $5.95 an hour with a graduating. You know, I graduated uh, cum laude with a degree in finance and economics. And that's where, uh, obviously, my dad was like, uh, WTF? <laughs> um, <laughs> And uh, But I, I didn't go home for nine months. I slept on the floor for a while, and I just said, screw it. I'm going to do it. And I did it, and it was one of the best decisions I ever made. But people are like, how would you just do that? Like, you didn't have anything going on. You just did it? And I was like, yeah, I did it. Um, so it was crazy, but it was one of the best leaps I've ever taken. And then at the same time, when I moved to Dallas, um, I had a great two-and-a-half-year you know, run in Orlando and I had great friends. And at the time I was doing okay. I, I wasn't still making minimum wage, but I was doing better. And then uh, I got a wild hair and I was like, I want to move to Dallas. I've got a friend who lives there. I've never been, but I think I'm going to move. So I moved like within a few months. And then, you know, taking those big leaps have been good. The other two other crazy things that I've done, which was I started reading a book about real estate investing when I was back at that at my regular job. And it was literally, I had heard about people making money with real estate. I Googled real estate investing. I think I found, I, I found, found this guy named, I think it was Dave, uh, I don't even remember his last name. I bought his course. I got like a quarter of the way through it and I learned that what foreclosure means. And then I heard somebody that I knew talking about, she knew somebody who was in foreclosure. Um, and I was like, cool, I, I'm now an expert in this. I've read 38 pages of this book. Uh, what's his number? She's like, well, he's my husband's something like he's like he knew my my father-in-law or whatever, and he's 85 years old. I was like, I don't care, give me his number. She goes, he lives in Switzerland, and he's got a really thick accent. And I was like, I don't care, give me his number. She goes, he owns four houses, like they're all in foreclosure. I was like, I don't care, give me his number. So I got his number, and I was using my cell phone at the time, and I was doing because I was doing it this at work, and that like 2002 or three. So I called the guy up and I just started chatting with him and using my best, I'm a serious real estate investor voice. And I got, uh, I got the addresses of the places he owned and I went to the courthouse and I see, saw how much he owed on them. And then I did a little bit of research to see how much they're worth. 
they ended up being worth like he owed like forty or fifty thousand on them. They were each worth like a hundred to hundred and twenty thousand. So now I had already lost all my money in the uh, in the uh, stock market, and I was probably ten to fifteen thousand dollars in debt at the moment on credit cards. And I called my dad, and I put an offer on these on three houses to buy them at once. And I called my dad up to say, "Hey, dad, I just made an offer on three houses that got accepted. I didn't want the fourth, and." Um, I have no idea how I'm going to get the loans. Like, I didn't even know. Like, now I know a million other ways to get these things. I was like, I'm going to apply for traditional financing, and I need down payments assistance. And uh, can I borrow, like, $30,000? Like, I needed a $10,000 down payment for each one. And he did. He gave those to me. And uh, I bought them. And then my dad, this was one of the greatest healing experiences that I'd had is, because this was a few years later, but my dad came down to Dallas, and we rehabbed the houses together hired like two contractors and that was it we did it all ourselves and that was amazing in, in three weeks and then you know i sold the houses made about a hundred thousand dollars hundred and twenty thousand dollars back so i was like yo i'm back um and then the most recent crazy thing i did about a year and a half ago is i bought a hundred and sixty thousand dollar automobile then my audi r8 which i love but the reason i bought it was a little bit crazy because although i can afford it i would never buy that car just for um just for uh, giggles, like it's it's not going to get me uh, an, another girl. I've already got a girl, right? So, is it going to get me paid as a, a professional? Uh, maybe, but I was talking to a buddy of mine, and he he said that he owned some exotic cars up in L.A. and he happened to supplement the payments on them by renting them out on consignment to a rental agency, and um, he was basically paying for the cars. And I was like, that's amazing. I got to look into this. So I called up the local exotic car rental agency and I said, hey, what do you, I'm, a, I'm thinking about, I'm a car collector. And I'm not. I'm thinking about buying a, a, a new car or two. What do you guys really need right now? What's in demand on your lot? And he goes, oh, we need a Lamborghini. We need an Audi R8, et cetera. And I said, great. So if I, if I buy this, do you have a consignment program? And they said, yes, we'll pay you 50% of what we'll rent it out for. So great. What do you think you could rent it out for? And they said, 1000 a day. So I did the math. And I was like, cool. I was just fishing. I didn't even know I was going to do it at the time. I was just like, hey, he gave me a good idea. I'm just going to go hunt this rabbit and see what the company says. And the next thing I know, like I was kind of just like screwing around and I was looking and I found a, a great price on this R8 and I bought it. Like I literally, within a month of having this conversation, I bought a really expensive car and um, on the hopes, like I could have afforded it without doing this but it would be stupid i can use the money for a million other things and uh but i did this really just because i wanted to hack or cheat the exotic car owner market because now when i you know i actually get more fun out of telling people that i literally don't pay for my car my car pays for itself and i've got like a five-day rental coming up here uh, in a couple weeks, that'll pay for two months of my auto pay, my car payment, right? So I have more fun because I broke the rules. The rules are you're supposed to work hard and save and you know make all this money and then uh, spend it wisely on your car only when you can afford it. And I'm like, hell no, like I own this car, nanny nanny boo boo, and I don't pay for it. So <laughs> that was crazy though, like because literally, if there was no, if there was no demand for it if this didn't work out as well as it could have i would have been sitting there with an expensive car that i didn't really need 
and I'd be like, uh, this sucks. But it turns out to be so a year and a half in, so far so good. As I said, I have not dipped into my savings account for a single car payment. And I drive my dream car, so. That's great. That's fun. That's the first time I've told this story publicly, by the way. So That's a great story. Yeah. I like to let everybody, so anybody watching this far into the episode now knows something about me. You want to rent my car. Right. But you now know something about me that others don't. So others think that I'm just worth a billion dollars and I drive the uh, supercar that Tony Stark drove in Iron Man. But in fact, I just use some of my own business acumen to take a take a leap, do something a little bit crazy, and it could have absolutely fallen apart. Yeah, I, I respected you before, but I think uh, like my your respect meter just went like way <laughs> up. I'm like that's just smart. That's just smart. I Thanks. love it. I love. It. So, how do you measure success? Um, that's been really hard for me because it's it's hard for me to measure it by uh, monetary. It's not about stuff. It's yeah, not about stuff. I do. Well, to me, success is do I have enough money coming in relatively easy, like relatively automated passively, I, I would say, to take care of my monthly expenses and my monthly nut? And if I do, it, am I am I working on something that I'm fully engaged in that has the ability to not only produce uh, wealth but also produce fulfillment and enjoyment and actually enjoy doing it? And do I live in a place, am I surrounded with in a place I love, with people I love, doing things I love, and being happy about the accomplishments I'm making. That's, I think, how I define success. So is underneath what you just said a deep level of fulfillment? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I look forward to our journey to seeing what you create from here, because it's always fun <laughs> learning more about you. Thank you for letting me take over your show today and interview you. By all and, means. And uh, it's been it's been great. So I look forward to. Uh, it has been great, with- and it wasn't nearly as. Uh, scary wasn't hard, as was it? No, it wasn't hard. It was fun. Uh, and just to address anybody who is stuck with us for this whole time, thank you for joining me and uh, allowing me to have the tables flipped on me with Dr. Emery. And uh, a couple quick things. So don't tune out yet. Uh, a Dr. Emery is amazing, as you can see. Like the questions she asks. These are softballs compared to what we do and the exercises she has has me do, but she's finally been able to crack open my brain uh, and my thoughts on a lot of things that have been really hard for me and I've struggled with for 41 years. So if there's any part of you that is stuck or struggling or feels as though you're not living up to your potential or you've got a bunch of shit in your life that is running you and you don't feel like you're running your life, uh, I encourage you to go to Build Your Life by Design dot com or if you have another way you'd like people to get a hold of you feel free to to uh, say that or actually email me this is even better email me at askbrad at baconwrapbusiness.com and tell me brad dr emery is the bomb.com and i want to uh i want to explore if any of her programs whether it's the um the in-person coaching, the group coaching, the, the online programs that she has. She has a lot of resources are right for you. And I will make that introduction personally to you and uh, potentially, you know, see if you guys can work together. She's been amazing for me. I am, uh, I think you, you can kind of see the way we interact and the way that the things go. So you'd be doing yourself a great service to seek out her guidance if you're ready. She's not right for everybody. You actually have to be brave enough to be willing to face your own shit. Right. <laughs> the other thing I want you to do. So now you know a lot about me. Um, 
and what kind of makes me tick. And I've been a little bit more open than I have ever before. Uh, on one of the last episodes that I did with Lo Silva, you may have heard me announce this, but I want to know more about you. Uh, it's very common for marketers, entrepreneurs, etc., who are building their newsletters to ask you to subscribe to a newsletter. And I want to change that up a little bit because I had this idea that um, I am a connector and I have a lot of I, I have a lot of needs as a as an entrepreneur as well. But I talk to people all the time who have these other needs, and I thought, well. Instead of just asking you to subscribe to my newsletter, why don't I ask you to tell me a little bit, a little bit something about you? So if you go to baconwrapbusiness.com forward slash who are you, I'm going to give you the opportunity to fill out about a five question um, survey. And that survey will not only tell me who you are, what you do for a living, do you work with clients, I ask you what are you great at, what kind of people are you looking to meet, because I want to build a database, uh, I want to increase my golden Rolodex of people like yourself, because when uh, Dr. Emery is on and I say, hey Dr. Emery, who are you looking to meet, what's a nut you're trying to crack, and she says, oh, I really need a good um, copywriter, graphic designer, etc. Well, I yes, I know a lot of these people, but there's there's a lot of gaps of people that I don't know, and not everybody's right. I'm trying to build my Rolodex, so this is a way you can actually get more business for yourself. In return, I'll also allow you to subscribe to my handy dandy newsletter, Bacon Wrapped Business, uh, where I share a lot of things that I don't share on the podcast, and there's a lot of benefits to being on it. Plus, you won't miss an episode. But I will read every single one of these, and if the um, situation is right, if you're right, I am more than happy to either reach out to you and hire you myself or potentially introduce you to one of my guests, friends, etc. So it's a great opportunity for you if you go to baconratbusiness.com forward slash who are you. In the meantime, I appreciate your time on this. If you're not subscribing on YouTube or uh, iTunes, click that little subscribe button so you don't miss an episode and uh, leave me a review. I love reviews. They help the show uh, you know, climb up the rankings and that's how we grow. But more importantly than that, if you don't leave a review, if you don't do this, share this with your friends. Talk about this show. Tell them it's your favorite show. Share it on social media. Tag me in it. Let me know you're doing it. Reach out. Ask me questions. And maybe there's a chance we can work together. I do work with clients. The only way you'll know is uh, those to send me your biggest challenge and what I might be able to help you with to askbrad at baconwrapbusiness.com. Till next time, Dr. Emery, thank you very much for flipping the tables on me and wrapping me up in bacon. My pleasure. <laughs> All righty. Have a great day. Thanks, guys. Take care. You too.